Juan Narciso Ucanyan went to his fate that Wednesday, and no one even noticed. A few weeks later, the circumstances surrounding his sudden disappearance sent shockwaves around the globe. But Ucanyan's name wasn't mentioned. He was one of many. Too many. What he'd experienced in the early hours of that morning had been going on elsewhere all over the world. The parallels were striking, once you knew what had happened. And only Ukanyan did. Maybe the fisherman, with his simple way of seeing things, had even sensed the more complex connections. But in the absence of his evidence, the mystery went unsolved. Neither he nor the Pacific Ocean on the Huanchaco coast in the north of Peru gave anything away. Like the fish he caught in his lifetime, Juan Narciso Ucanyan stayed silent. When he next showed up, he was just a statistic. No one had time to wonder about his whereabouts. Events had entered a new and graver phase. Not that anyone had ever shown much interest in him anyway, even before the 14th of January. At least, that was how Ucanyan saw it. He'd never been able to reconcile himself with his village's reincarnation as an international beach resort. For the tourists, Huanchaco was a time-forgotten paradise, where locals went fishing in old-fashioned boats. But what use was that to him? To own a fishing boat at all was old-fashioned. These days, most of his countrymen earn their living on factory trawlers or in the fish meal and fish oil industries. Peru's fish stock was dwindling, but its fishing industry was still one of the largest in the world, on a par with Chile, Russia, the US, and parts of Asia. Even the threat of El Nino hadn't stopped the coastal city of Huanchaco sprawling out in every direction, the last preserves of nature sacrificed to make way for row after row of hotels. In the end, nearly everyone had profited one way or another. Only Ucanyan was left with nothing. Just his boat, a caballito de totora, or reed pony, as the admiring conquistadors had called the distinctive craft. But the way things were going, the pretty little vessels would soon be gone too. The new millennium had decided to pick on Ucanyan. His emotions were already starting to get the better of him. At times, he felt as though he was being punished by El Nino, which had plagued Peru since the beginning of history, and that he was helpless to prevent. And by the environmentalists, whose talk of overfishing had set the politicians searching for a culprit. Until, in the end, they realized they were looking for themselves. So they'd shifted their focus from the fisheries to Ucanyan, who couldn't be held responsible for the environmental mess. He hadn't asked for the floating factories, or for the Japanese and Korean trawlers lurking on the 200-mile boundary, waiting to tow away the fish. None of this was Ukanyan's fault, but even he no longer believed it. That was the other thing he couldn't help feeling. Guilty. As though he was the one who'd pulled millions of tons of mackerel and tuna from the sea. He was 28 years old, and one of the last of his kind. His five elder brothers all worked in Lima and thought he was a fool because he clung to a boat no better than a surfboard 
waiting doggedly in deserted waters for the mackerel and bonito to return. You won't find life among the dead, they told him. But it was his father who worried Ukanyan. The old man was nearly seventy and had set sail every day right up until a few weeks previously. Now, Ukanyan the elder no longer went fishing. Bedridden, his face covered with blotches, he had a nasty cough and seemed to be losing his mind. Juan Narquiso clung to the hope that by continuing the family tradition, he could keep the old man alive. For over a thousand years, Ukanyan's people, the Yunga and the Mochi, had been fishing in reed boats. Long before the Spanish arrived, they had settled along the Peruvian coast from the northern reaches to modern-day Pisco, supplying the immense metropolis of Chan Chan with fish. Back then, the area had been rich in Huachaques, coastal marshes fed by fresh water from underground springs. Vast quantities of reed grass had grown there, the totora that Ucanyan and the other remaining fishermen still used to make their caballitos in the manner of their forebears. It required skill and inner calm. There were no other boats quite like them. Measuring three to four meters long, with an upward-curving prow and light as a feather, they were practically unsinkable. In days gone by, thousands of caballitos had cut through the waves of the Golden Fish Coast, named at a time when even the worst catches brought more fish than Ucanyan could ever dream of.